When I was in my early 20s and interested in money and personal finance as a general concept, when I was interested in maybe investing in shares or buying an investment property or starting a business, there's always been this thing about becoming a millionaire, being wealthy and the rich and all that stuff. And I reckon a lot of society froth on that stuff because they see the fun that you can have with money. They see the Instagram lifestyle. They see all the stuff, the big spending. They don't see the big assets online. You only really see the big spending. But it was this whole thing growing up in my early 20s, late teens, about retiring by 40. We're going to talk about habits of the wealthy today. We're going to talk about how to be a millionaire. And we're going to discuss this concept of retire by 40. Now, I am knocking on 40s door myself. And I think back to when I was in my late teens. And I wonder, hmm, is this where I'd want to be? when I'm knocking on 40's door? Hey, if you're over 40, are you where you want to be right now? Well, we're going to talk about it today. I'm joined today by John Pigeon from This Is Property. G'day, John. Hello, Glenn. Now, we would like to thank Sphere Home Loans for the support that they give this podcast. When you get a mortgage, did you know there's a huge difference in lending capacity across the lenders? We know in Australia with property, you need $18 million to buy a, uh, a two-bedroom shack in suburbia. And you might go to one lender and they might say, well, we can only give you $16 million. The other lender might say, well, we can give you 18 We can give you 19 So you really do need to see a mortgage broker to make sure that you can get the most appropriate mortgage, the right borrowing capacity for your situation. Sphere Home Loans, they've got access to, I think, over 60 lenders. I mean, you walk in sideways and you've got half an income and some assets, they might find someone that will lend you the money. We're Pro Mortgage Broker here on the podcast. My name's Glenn James, and this is Money. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So John... We're back for another week, uh, the second week of This Is Money. And just following on from last week's episode, if you do listen live, uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, the 7th of February. Just yesterday, Tuesday, the 6th, um, the coalition government waved through the tax cuts that we talked about in last episode. So it's confirmed. If you've got a job and you earn over $18,200 in Australia, guess what? You're getting a tax cut from the 1st of July. Good news for them and for most other people, isn't it really? I think everyone benefits. It's just the high income earner not benefiting as much as they once thought. Yeah, and it does make sense. The stage three initial tax cuts were removing one big bracket and if you were earning over 180 grand a year, you'd save nine grand in tax. But if you're earning a regular income like most people and you'd save bugger all, it probably sounds a little bit better that we give the high income earners four grand extra not the nine, and spread that money out mm. uh, across all the other income categories. So that's just a bit of an update if you do listen to our podcasts as they drop each week. Now, John, my rant at the start of the episode, does it ring true to you? Like early 2000s, late 90s, there was this whole thing about retiring at 40 and you've got to get to that million dollars and the first million's the hardest and all that stuff. Like, does that ring true to you? I mean, 
thankfully now you are finally welcome on this podcast because you're not and you never have been a millennial and we kind of didn't tell people that, but whatever. They sort um, of knew when they first looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of knew. Um, but what are your thoughts around that whole mindset and mm. all that stuff at the turn of the century? Yeah, look, I was I was part of that cult, if you wanted to call it that. I, I think it was uh, it was just, I don't know, the, the, the books you read and the – well, there's no online when I first started sort of dreaming and uh, and looking for, for what I wanted to achieve from a wealth perspective. But absolutely, it was, uh, yeah, let's get this done by 40. And, and we weren't, I don't know about you, but I, I wasn't even really thinking about whether I liked work or not because I hadn't really even started it. So to, to retire by 40, it was almost just like a trend uh, waving through, wasn't it? And uh, when you actually strip it back and think about how much it takes to retire by 40. You have to be doing some astronomical numbers to get that done or living in a very cheap location off the smell of an oily rag. And um, and again, I, whether you think this or not, but I, I'm enjoying what I do more so than I was 20 years ago. And, and mm. I, I don't really put a, a, a time frame on with, when I'd like to slow down because I don't actually want to slow down. I'm actually going the other way. Mm. Do you think if you look back to little Johnny when he was 20 and what you imagined your life would be like, do you think it's better or worse than what you thought? Oh, I think it's way better than what I what I thought or what I imagined. I mean, it was all dollar-based. I think you mentioned a million dollars at the start of the show and, and that was the that was the benchmark, wasn't it? Like a million dollars, if you're worth a million dollars, like you've made it, you've uh, you can you can put the queue in the rack. Now a million dollars is twelve months of house growth in uh, in Sydney, so it's a, it's a very different landscape that we live in. But yeah, absolutely. Um, to to be living where I live now in the uh, in the environment I do, I absolutely never saw that coming. Um, but yeah, that's uh, all part of the journey, isn't it? What about you? Yeah, I to be honest, at my current life right now, it is different to what I thought it would be when I was 17, 18, 19. And I think that's obviously going to be the case mm. for everyone. It almost goes without saying. Uh, but I actually think in one aspect it is better and a million times better than what I thought. Um, I'm in the fortunate position, you know, if I really had to, I could work one and a half, two days mm. a week and – you know, I, I don't, I, I work more and I think that's probably because I'm three. not organized. <laughs> yeah. And I just, yeah, I just float around. So I'm really privileged in that situation. Um, I've got more money than I thought I'd have all that stuff, but I thought I'd be married. I thought I'd have a family mm. by this age. So it's just, life is truly equal. I think, um, there's going to be people out there that have got all the money in the world and are managing chronic health conditions where they'd probably trade half of that to be healthy. There's going to be people who've got the best family situation in the world and can't scrape two cents together. So they, you know, obviously they don't want to get rid of their family. So I just think you've got to really almost live a day at a time, but plan, always plan for the future and always be looking ahead. I think it's interesting, this whole retire early thing or retire by 40 a lot of younger people, and I don't want to come in with my pin and, you know, pop balloons and all that stuff, but a lot of people who are really hard into that fire movement, 
they will get a rude shock when they start a family. Mm. <laughs> like it's, yeah. you know, it's as simple as that. Uh, but you've, it's good because they're getting the habits and they are having that mindset. And we can talk about what I think are the habits of the wealthy from number one, what I've personally seen and observed other wealthy people do. And number two, the stuff that I've done. And for a lot of time on this podcast, we've talked about cause and effect. So if you want an effect, you've got to reverse back and do the things that will cause that effect to happen. Yeah, and that's like I've never been a massive fan of that fire movement, but I think you're you're right. It's uh, everyone's version is different, but uh, I think as a father or, or as a parent, we want to be giving our kids an environment that allows them to see what's possible. But at the same time, like if if I was retired today, if if Amy and I was saying like, "Hey, we're not going to work today. We're done, kids," but you guys have to go to school. That, that doesn't sit well with me like, <laughs> like okay, are we teaching them the right message there? And I don't think we would do that anyway. But the loot, however, is a very different um, conversation, isn't it? Like living life on your own terms is much more of a, uh, I suppose, a lifestyle thing that people can desire and can see and can, can nominate what it is mm. for them because it is different for every person that you speak to. And that's it. Like if you had all the money in the world tomorrow or if you won the $200 million in that Powerball the other week, I mean, I wouldn't tell anyone, but there would be a few signs. Uh, Like you're going to be bored out of your brain at some point. So look, all that to say, we want you to have purpose in your life. Sure, have the financial goals to amass a million dollars, but always have a why attached to that because- all the money in the world, when it drops into your bank account, and even I think in the the investing book that is coming out later in the year, I talked about this rich versus wealthy thing and most lotto winners, um, and it's a bigger market in America, but I kind of looked at different lotto winners in America and when money just landed in their account, they just mm. blow it because they, they don't have the discipline, they don't have um, the knowledge of how to control it, they don't have the experience. And if you get money that just drops into your account, you start to live a false economy because you start spending like a crazy person. Whereas like, no, no, last week you weren't buying a $5,000 handbag. Why are we doing it now? Sure, you've got the money now, but if you embed that habit into your spending and into your lifestyle and you're acting rich, guess what? The money will run out within five years and you'll be very sad. So what we're going to talk about the habits of the wealthy. The first one that I want to talk about is wealthy people and even millionaires. And if you do all these things and apply it to your life and your mission and your vision for your life, you've got a higher chance of becoming wealthy, becoming a millionaire than the average punter that's sitting next to you on the bus at the moment watching last night's episode of Love Island. Like it's categorical, this will happen. I was on a, a podcast the other day, John, and I talked about, you know, people living their life and while you can't tell people what to do, and I I've probably controlled myself a little bit more on this podcast and being a bit more pragmatic, like this is just what I do, you do what you do. But if someone lived by these uh, points about the habits of the wealthy and someone didn't, it would be a very interesting exercise to compare notes of each case study over a 20-year period. 
So the first one that I want to talk about, wealthy people, they have a plan and a purpose for their life. Now, a lot of the time that is tied up with their vocation, with their career, with their calling, with what they do of a morning. And I want everyone to have a think about what you do is different than any assets that you've got in your account. We all need to do stuff. Even if you did wake up with a $200 million Powerball tomorrow, you still have to do stuff. You still need purpose. You still need a plan for your life. Money does not solve all your problems. It's a tool that makes life easier, but it, it will just magnify who you are. If you're an arrogant asshole without money and then you win that $200 million Powerball, you're a bigger arrogant asshole. Trust me, I've met a few of you. And it's all about what's your life plan and what is your purpose. Yep, I like that. You've got to have drive. You've got to have energy. And and when you reach these small, I suppose, daily or weekly achievements, it, it just gives you momentum to continue to roll to the larger ones. And I think that larger plan or that purpose will play itself out if you're continuing to meet those uh, those short-term objectives. So the, the, the big thing or the big one I had to think about this was you've got to understand how we need to balance the details right now but also keep an eye on the on the bigger picture. So an example of that is uh, in, in property or even in business where we're thinking about what we're doing today, tomorrow, next week where we're in the trenches without thinking about what's my business look like in five years or ten years' time? What does the uh, my lifestyle want to be like in ten years' time? Like I, I meet so many people that, have, that are single now or, or couples with no kids. Uh, in, in five years' time or ten years' time, you could have kids in primary school. So we've got to all of a sudden be thinking about primary schools and and uh, what their vocations and lifestyle might be at that time. So we've got to understand, yes, it's important what we're doing now, but understand that we've got to keep an eye on that bigger picture and just see what the trends are, are looking like in business as well, because they can change very quickly. So what's happening in, in your sector or your industry that may be a, a developing change over 10 years to make that informed decision today. Mm. And that's a really good point because it reminds me, I used to say it last year a fair bit, with my money, I've got two eyes, I've got one eye on today and one eye on the future. And I just want to call out, like there are people who go to work each day, nine to five income, they're not entrepreneurial, they're not quote unquote career driven. They're not, you know, pew pew, greed's good, capitalism baby. Like they're content with their life. And if you are one of those people, I still want to challenge you with your career and with your job. As John said, look at the details day on day, look at bigger trends. You know, this AI thing is creeping in. We don't want you to be in a position where in four or five years, you're no longer needed because a computer has taken your job. Now, that's going to be different if you're a car mechanic or a hairdresser. But if you're working in an office and you're managing stuff, you need to be looking for the future. And if AI isn't in your immediate role at the moment, can you be the person who introduces it? You be the gatekeeper. You have that control because you're well and truly understanding of the big picture. So that's a great point you make there, John. The next point that I want to make, and 
My challenge to everyone is there's what is it? Uh, two, four, six, seven. There's, there's probably going to be eight or nine points that we talk about, John. My challenge to everyone is can you think about one, two, three of these that you can really focus on in your life? Um, so my next habit of the wealthy is they stick with it for the long term. Now, I want you to think about every person that you know that is wealthy And I'm not talking about people that have got inheritances or people that have won lotto or, you know, been to the casino and hit it rich on one night and ta-da, $500,000. Carve all that crap out because it doesn't happen. It's a less than one percenter. But everyone that you know that has either built a successful business, built a successful career, has been a successful investor, be it property, being equities, those who have a garden, and it's successful, guess what they do? They stick with it for the long term. Now, John, this kind of goes back to a little bit with what you were talking about looking at the big picture and trends. It's hard to stick to stuff for the long term if you're going on a track that could be a dead end. Mm. Like you do need to look up, don't you, to make sure you've got a good runway. You know, I I loathe to talk about a uh, lemon tree analogy and I did an episode a couple of months ago, John, and I used the lemon tree analogy and it was pretty bad. But (laughs) there's no point. You've got a two-acre block and you plant a big garden up the back and you know that in a year's time they're coming to, you know, acquire half your property and build a road on the back of it. That's right. Yeah, don't know where you went with that. But, yeah, you're right. It's, It's consistency over the journey and I think... It's whatever you do, whether it's your vocation, your health, your investing, your business, whatever, it's just consistency day in, day out. And if you've Mm. got that plan and purpose that you spoke about and you've got the consistency to turn up every day regardless of the conditions, whether it's um, you've had some uh, bad luck with uh, with a supplier or you've, um, you're feeling ill or if you've had a, a good employer, a good employee just walk out on you, like you've just got to turn up and, and continue to work through the daily grind, not so, not so much grind, but just have a passion for that consistency because over time, you'll beat anyone else hands down because more than likely the opposition, if you want to call them, is not as consistent as you are. Mm. And if you are in a job and you've just started out in your career or it's a new new job or a new career, most of the time, if you hang around long enough, you'll end up running the place. Mm. Like you just think of... I was one who started in a financial planning business, started in the reception, in client services, lowest load, like getting the mail every day, doing all the crap work. But I hung around and there was opportunities. And I think in this day and age with this Insta society, this microwave, everything's fast, we sometimes want to cut back, change direction because it's not working. Back to the planting a tree analogy. You know, you could put, a seedling in the ground and not see anything for three months. Now, what if you went, ah, stuff this, I'm out of here. Like probably once that shoot comes through the ground, you're going to get most of the action pretty soon. Like it's that compounding effect, isn't it? Yeah. You need to be around long enough for things to start to work and start to compound. Now talk to us, you know, you're the property expert. You host the This Is Property podcast. Oh my gosh. Talk to us just long-term with property investing. 
Yeah, well, it's a, lo- a little bit like the lemon tree. Like if <laughs> if it had one downpour of rain and you didn't consistently water it daily, right, it's not going to grow. Um, it, and same with your health and, and same with your wealth and same with your property investing. If we're not looking at the longer term, what do I want out of this and why am I doing it? We could just fall for the the glossy marketing brochure that just says, yeah, this is instant dollars. I'm going to make a million dollars. Away I go with no plan or purpose. And it's all rolling into each other. But from a property perspective, too many just look at the short term. And I actually had a conversation today with with some clients that were looking at uh, their kids schooling for the next five years, right? And they said, right, we need to be living here uh, for the next five years for our kids. And I said, well, okay, what about that? Oh, we want to be over here, which is closer to the beach. Okay, so why are we going to buy here now when we know that that's only a four to five year story and the next 20 years is actually over here, which is where you should be buying now? Okay, now I get that. I'm looking longer term and that much much makes much more sense. I'm not paying stamp duty twice. I'm not paying agents fees. and But we can't see the trees for the woods because we're just in the moment now. This is what we need for our family. Mm. It reminds me of that meme where, I don't know, it's like an image of it's underground and the person's digging and they decide to give up. But you could see the cross section. If they just kept mm. digging another meter, that's where all the diamonds yes. are. And gosh, you could unpack that with, well, Wendy's stop. But even I've talked about when we started this podcast. Now, you'll see at the start of this episode title, it's got the number seven and we're episode 07. This is season seven. So we're into our seventh year. It has been a successful podcast. And what I decided to do when we first started was I said to John, we are doing one episode every single week, at least for 12 months then we come up for air. Four months in, if we got bored and like, nah, it's not working, we quit, well, we wouldn't be here today. So you need to be around long enough to get the opportunities that might present in the years to come. But if you're not there for those opportunities, you're not going to get the opportunities. Have you, uh, have you listened to David Goggins' stuff? Who? David Goggins. Never heard of him. Never heard of him, Wow. Who is Look he? Look him up on Insta. He's no, got millions of followers on the I state. probably won't, but who is he? <laughs> Any case, yeah. Um, he went through the Navy SEALs program back in the early 2000s and uh, quit, well, not quit, but was forced through injury out twice. And it's the hardest test you can do, the Navy SEALs program. If you mm. make it through that, you, yeah, toughest person known to man. I, I actually got through once in 2015. <laughs> I wasn't feeling that no. great. It wasn't my best hour, but I got no, through. Yeah. Not the seals. It's the navy seals. <laughs> uh, not not flying, um, riding a seal's back. It's actually the the real hardcore oh, stuff. In any case, he went back a third time and got got through. Right. Message today is that, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's an amazing motivator who's mm. pushed his body to the level that he would never have done if he had have not gone back that third time mm. through that uh, program. So, yeah, there's many stories like that. But uh, I suppose what we're talking about here is consistency and persistence and it's not going to come easy and we, we don't expect instant gratification from anything in life and we just keep persisting through. When I started my first business, I was journaling every single night. And at the time, got to remember... I had undiagnosed mental health issues. Mm. So I had the depression, I had the anxiety. 
trying to start a business, it was chaos. It was so bad. And I look at my diary and I remember the three Ps, patience, perseverance, persistence. That's the three things you've always got to do. You've got to have patience. That's a struggle for me. You've got to have persistence. You've got to have perseverance. And my challenge to anyone listening is the thing that you're going after right now could be saving for a new house, could be starting a new business, could be working um, to get a promotion or a pay rise. It could be studying. It could be whatever that is, building a portfolio of a million dollars. My question to you is how bad do you want it? Are you serious enough to want to go after it, stick with it for the long term, have patience, have persistence, have perseverance, and be laser-focused on that goal? Now, there is an argument to say you also live at the same time, but, you know, mm. sure, have a life and all that, but you've always just got to be focused. Sure, I'm going out Friday night having a drink, but my reason for living is to get after this goal. My reason mm. for living is to have the best um, environment for the kids to grow up in in the first five years of their life before they hit school. That's my reason for living. I'm passionate about this. I'm sticking with this for the long term. And that's just one of the things that wealthy people do. Sometimes, and this is the the crazy hack, John, sometimes this stuff, if you had a plan and a purpose and that was just baked in, if you stuck with it for the long term and that was baked in, it would happen itself. Mm. Like we're not talking about journaling every night about your goal. I mean, sure, you can do that. But if you understand that I've got to stick with this for the long term, this investing on the side, I put X amount in a month into my investment account and I move on. If you just did that for the long term, there's no active thing that's required because the cause and effect will actually make it happen Yeah, on autopilot. I, I think there is an element of uh, realism too and, and continuing to assess what everything's doing every 12 months. Like if we've got something that's clearly not working, whether it be in business or work or or property or shares or whatever it is, we've got to continue to assess and, and uh, maybe rejig the direction we're going. But yeah, consistently looking for the longer term is, is the message, isn't it? The next point that I want to make is wealthy people take good risks. Now, you had a similar point. Talk about the word that you used, John. Yeah, so I use the word embrace. Um, now, we talk about fear and risk and, and uh, I suppose those two words are completely different and that, that fear word of false evidence appearing real versus the risk, there's actually a real risk if I go and hop in my car today, there's a risk that I can actually get hit by another car. Mm. Embracing that risk says, okay, I'm, I, I know there's risk available there. There's, I know there's risk in starting a business. I know there's a risk in quitting this job and starting a new one, but it's, but it's putting me in a better position for the long term because I've seen the benefits of me making this decision. The benefits of me getting in my car and driving home is that I'm going to get there quicker. So I'm prepared to take that risk of not getting hit by another car mm. um, to, in order to get home and just make sure I'm sensible in the way I drive my car on the right hand side, on the left hand side of the road, and away I go. We've really got to embrace what's coming towards us and not shy away from it because shying away from it 
all of a sudden the fear creeps in mm. and the the negative connotation to the step that we may take. But going another step from that is to say, well, okay, what are the implications if we don't take that step? What are the implications if we don't take that risk? Well, we're, we're going to end up in the same position as we are right now, which mm. is probably more of a motivator to go and take that action. And it speaks to understanding the risks. So you talked about what are the risks if we don't take that? Let's use an example. You had $500,000 that landed in your bank account. You're not going to spend it or whatever, but you didn't want to put that money into an equity account. You didn't want to buy a property outright because you were too scared of losing that money if markets are volatile. Now, when you look at inflation, you look at the cash rate, there is more of a risk to your overall situation and $500,000 of you losing money by not investing it. So if we understand the risks that, well, if we park money here for the long term, we've got a higher chance of having a return above inflation and above the cash rate. So we have to embrace that risk of actually putting our capital at, our capital at risk. But I think, John, with the embracing the risk and taking risks, we first have to understand the risk. Now, I spent... I think a whole chapter in the book, Sort Your Career Out on Risks. And the younger you are, the more time you have to recover if something doesn't work out. So the younger you are, you need to take more risks with your life, with your job. If you're under 30 and you're worrying about, well, should I go over to London for a year or do this? Friggin' do it. Like you'll have the best time. It's a risk life goes on, worst thing can happen, come home and start working again. You know what I mean? So you got to take those risks. Now, when you're doing your risk analysis on the stuff that you're doing, in the book I talked about, you need to avoid catastrophic risks. And the example I used was Russian roulette. If you don't know what Russian roulette is, the old uh, like magnum gun and it's got the, the chamber there, you can put five bullets in and you know, you've got five shots. Russian roulette, they would put one bullet in a chamber, spin the chamber, and then bang, you've got a 20% chance, if there was a barrel of five, you've got a 20% chance of dying with that bullet. I would hypothesize that Russian roulette, there is a risk of it being catastrophic, so we need to avoid that risk completely. Now, when it comes to your life and your money, a catastrophic risk would be to put all your money in a speculative cryptocurrency. Like it's a non-starter. We're not doing it. Mm. But it's not a catastrophic risk to ask your employer for some additional benefits for a pay rise. It's not a catastrophic risk to invest in a IVV or a you know IOZ ETF fund. It's not a catastrophic risk. So I think this thing is you the E-word, John, you you've got to embrace risks. In the coming weeks on this podcast, just yesterday, John, I recorded an episode with a 60-year-old who, well, they're now 70, but they started a business and they purchased a business and rebuilt it when they were 60. And I interviewed this gentleman. He's 70 years old, still has the business. And we talked about, you know, it was a risk, but they assessed the risks and 60, it's older than 30. Yes, it is. Uh, so that episode's going to go up on Retire Right in a few weeks, but I'm also going to play it because that podcast is just new and 
hasn't got the amount of listeners as this one. Yeah. But I'm also going to play that episode because there was lots of interest in it in the uh, This Is Money Facebook group. We're going to play it here on a Thursday as well uh, because it's such an encouraging episode Great. about, you know, it's never too late. You've got to take risks. You've got to like, we talked about the passion. We talked about, you know, the long term. So categorically, all these things that we're talking about, I'm old enough now to say that I've seen it. I probably wouldn't be as confident of saying this when I was 20 because it's it would only be like knowledge where mm. I've seen and lived this crap over the last 20 years. Yeah, and that that's uh, experience is you, you can't fast track experience, can you? I mean, you mm. can spend yourself spend time with with good influential people that have got there before you have um, to fast mm. track that, but your own actual experience is nothing better than to be uh, living and breathing it for a, a, mm. a period of time. The next one before we take a quick break is the wealthy. They are very good at what they do. John, your business, you've got Envisage Property, which is the buyer's advocacy service. You've got Solve Air Wealth, which is the coaching. Like I would say you're also now a published author. I would say you're very good at what you do. You've had that track record and you had to start somewhere. But if we couple you're very good at what you do Couple that with taking risks, sticking with it for the long term and having a plan and purpose for your life, it's pretty compelling to see the cause and effect that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes back to that word of consistency, doesn't it? It's just knowing that if we consistently turn up day after day and we know we're on a certain path and this is where we want to get to and we keep motivated to to do that and bring people along who are almost as passionate as you are about the journey, then good things are essentially going to happen. And I think, yeah, it's, uh, you become good at what you do through hours of hours of practice, don't you? Like mm-hmm. anything, whether it be sport, whether it be music, whether it be work, whether it be, I don't know, being a parent, like we parent our third child very differently to parenting our first child because we're five, six years further down the track as a parent. So it's it's just time in the saddle, as they say. Mm. So for too long, I've seen people take all these risks, try and do something, and they actually suck at it. And I'm talking about <laughs> more starting a business. Like I would love to own a restaurant one day. But I suck at hospitality, so it's a non-starter. I would, yeah, I kind of agree, but I would say, like, if you wanted to make a restaurant work, Mm. you would employ good people who can run it better than you. Yeah, it's probably a bad analogy because if you want to make (laughs) money out of a restaurant, you've kind of got to be working there and the manager. You sort of do. But I think you can also, a, a good successful person will analyze a situation and say, look, we're out of our depth here. We've got to move on or Mm. we've got to pivot left or right because this isn't working Mm. versus just saying, look, I'm just going to push through and I'm going to be consistent and do everything I need to do and the results will come. Sometimes the results don't come if you're going down the wrong path. Mm. And that's knowing when to quit. But I was just thinking, you could be just at your job right now and investing on the side each month. You could become very good at what you do in terms of investing. The fact that you've got a blended portfolio, it might be broad-based index, and all you do every single week, every single month is buy and hold ETFs for the long term. 
you're a much better investor than someone who's trying to trade, time the market, do all that stuff. So that's what I mean. You can be the best investor in the world and have the most boring portfolio. But the fact that you understand the investments, the fact that you understand that you've got to have time in the market, the fact that you understand that you don't react to negative news and sell and act out of fear, that you have a plan and a purpose for your investing. You stick with your purpose for the long term. You take the good risks with your investing. That there makes you good at what you do, and that is investing. Same as property. You interviewed someone the other day on This Is Property. They've got a portfolio of over $3 million. They're becoming very good at investing in property. So if you want to be wealthy, you've got to be very good at what you do, very good at the thing that is going to produce money. And all this stuff isn't in a silo. It's all got to be together. We'll be back right after this with more tips, how to be wealthy. We'll see you in a moment. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Radio, we are back with the community segment of the week. Each Tuesday, we read out of the Facebook group, and that Facebook group is now called This Is Money, your comments, and we write some provocative, uh, thoughtful questions, and you can respond. So we asked everyone, what's the best investment you've made, and what did you learn from the experience? Do you want to start, John? Raymond, investing in the happiness of my wife. What do they say, Glenn? Happy wife, happy life. Something like that. So a lot of support there for Raymond's comment there. Uh, Kim, I've invested heavily in my health, covering nutrition, being physically active, etc. What I've learned, having been on the other side prior, is you wake up most days feeling brilliant physically and mentally. It's priceless. I mean, it's it's two, arguably the two most important things in life, really, for the individual. Yeah, since I moved down here to Honeysuckle, like I'm right on Newcastle Harbour, everyone, you can basically walk all along the harbour mm. and I've just been no walking excuse. more daily. Yeah. And even the Woolworths is just down the road. It's a 10, 15 minute walk. If I need to get food, I've just resolved. I don't drive, I walk. Yeah. And even putting that, more walking and moving into my life every day, it's been fascinating with um, my sleep and all that stuff. So it's it's yeah. really good. Who you meet, 
should get a dog. Mm. Megan says, seven years of studying psychology, bachelor's, honours, PhD. I've learned so much about perseverance, patience, time management, self-motivation and stick to itness. Stick to it, Ivness. <laughs> yeah, stick so basically to commit to it. <laughs> yeah. Don't give up. Yeah, Daniel um, Quinn, regular pest in the group. He said the best investment he made and what he learned was ResMed and it was a fluke. The best lesson I actually learned was watching it go up while another investment went kaput and realizing I was far better off using ETFs long-term because at the time I had no idea what I was doing. Robbie, education in myself, learning and understanding is priceless. Mm. And Nivy said, CSRO, total well-being diet as an investment in my health. They do all the meal plans, shopping lists, offer a refund, read the conditions. They have an easy-to-use app, Facebook community, and exercise routines. I lost 36 kilos in one year and haven't looked back. That's amazing. Congratulations. Mm. The interesting thing here, of the handful that we selected, only Daniel's one was a 101 straight up investing. Yeah. And he stuffed it anyway and he learned that just do broad-based <laughs> ETS for the long term. So it's not all about, you know, the best investment being a financial asset. It is nah. what are you doing with the other areas of your life because your money just forms one part of your life. Yeah, and that shows the the intelligence of, of the listener group really when mm. they, they're not looking shallow in this whole investing thing and just thinking, oh, it's all about wealth. It's, it's a holistic approach to life. Mm, totally. Um, we'll just do some housekeeping now. We do this each Tuesday episode just to keep you in the loop with what's happening You may have heard some ads running about the book, Sort Your Property Out, Uh, John's new book. It's out this month. Uh, It's for first home buyers or investors. It's basically the handbook for investing in property in a smart and strategic way. It's highly practical. There's not 15 chapters about, you know, comparing bloody electricity bills and all that crap. It's literal. When you're buying a house, we're talking about strategy. Now, You can use that same strategy to buy your first home to live in, your first investment property, your next investment property, whether you're going to buy a house to live in and then move out and keep it as a property, all the strategy. Now, to celebrate the launch of the book, we are doing tours. Uh, We're we're going on tour, rather. Uh, We're doing a show in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Perth. We're not recording anything at the events, no live podcast. It's John talking about property stuff. We've got a mortgage broker at each venue to answer all your questions around mortgages. We're keeping the people well under 100 at each event just so we can have it intimate. You know, I think our Melbourne show when we were on tour with the podcast, I think there was almost 300 people there. Like, they're just not going to be that big. We're going to make them um, intimate on purpose. Intimate on purpose? Intimate? Is that how you say it? Yep. And... Yeah, it's 99 bucks. There would be a drinks hour with all you can drink and yeah, come along. Now, we are doing a book club. So every month you can read a book with us. This month we're reading Thanks for the Feedback by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. Uh, There's a link in the show notes if you want to buy that. And then just in the Facebook group, we'll put a comment at the end of each month and people can kind of discuss what they learned about it. And we're just kind of experimenting with that. So there you have it. The biggest thing we want to talk about is the property book. We would really appreciate your support uh, to purchase that book as a gift for someone or for yourself. Um, and if you are in one of those cap cities, let us know. And the reason why we can't go to Darwin, I think there's three listeners up there 
and I've talked to two of you in the Facebook group, uh, and it's just so bloody expensive. Like as an example, John, my Perth flight was nine hundred and fifty dollars return from Newcastle, right? Was it? Yeah, that's well, so expensive. Up the pointy end, it's no, no, I'm like economy. I had was to, I got to slum it. It wouldn't be direct though. No, I've got to go through Adelaide and then Melbourne yeah, on the way back. Yeah, yeah. But mm. all that to say, yeah, you know, Cost Darwin's money. even more expensive to fly up there. So just the commercials of the amount of people we need to sell tickets and have in the room, it yeah. doesn't stack up at this point to go to um, Hobart or Darwin, unfortunately, with this tour. Uh, Canberra, look, I'll be honest, kind of forgot about you. Uh, <laughs> 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 We kind of did, didn't we, at the time? Yeah, we probably did, actually. Yeah, uh, but we'll come back. We'll come back again. Well, we know that you're just down the road, so we can pop in. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, John and I, we'll, we'll do something maybe a bit informal, not part of this tour. We might just drive yeah. down and do something. I might go to Ballarat on the mm-hmm. day after Melbourne, if there's anyone in Ballarat. So we're, go- we're going Melbourne, and then, so the Melbourne's the Tuesday night. Mm. So you're saying you go to Ballarat Wednesday. Yes, and then the Thursday nights in Adelaide. Adelaide, yeah. Yeah, so I'm flying from Melbourne to Adelaide yeah. on um, on the Wednesday afternoon, I think. Yeah, you need yeah. to acclimatise to Adelaide. I weather. do, I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't just do all this flying, fly out stuff like John. I'm no, too I sensitive <laughs> to the things of this world. So I looked at your flights today. Like you, with <laughs> Perth is like Monday night and you're going Friday or something. Like, <laughs> hey, I've got to live, right? I've got to live. Um, not bloody... Uh, yeah, life's too short to... No, actually, first Tuesday night and you're going Friday. John. Or John. Saturday. Okay, let's move on. The next thing that I believe are habits of the wealthy and millionaires, they're always looking for ways to improve. I, I sound like a broken record, but laying all the stuff that we've talked about, this ongoing maintenance of always looking for ways to improve, always looking for ways to be encouraged. I just bought the new book by Morgan Housel. I think it's called The Same As Ever. He wrote The Psychology of Money. Fantastic book. So I've got money. I'm an investor. How can I always learn and always be more encouraged? And even if I read this book and I get encouraged to keep my mitts off it and just keep shoveling money, I'm 100% keen on doing that. So I think it is that it's not set and forget. The direction could be set and forget. Yeah, we're going north, going north for the winter. I've just rewatched 1883. We're going there. It's rough. It's tough. There's challenges along the way, but we are going in that direction. Mm. No, I love that. You've got to be curious, don't you? You've got to continue to ask good questions of other people. Don't be the, the loudest and the smartest person in the room. And and you know the old saying, Glenn, when you're number one, you've got to train like you're number two. So mm-hmm. that's um, the, the successful, the really successful just continue to want to improve and absorb information and, and, and continue to train more than the rest and, and do everything that in their powers just to be the best individual they possibly can be over the journey. Yeah, absolutely. The next one that I've got is they manage their money well. So this is purely a practical real-life scenario. And it speaks to that, you know, lotto win landing in your wallet, in your bank account. You've got to have a good day-on-day, week-on-week money management system because more money coming in doesn't mean we need to spend more. 
you can't, you've got to watch lifestyle inflation. You've got to keep on top of your money and your money systems. You need a system, whatever that is. How are you managing your money? Because the ancient texts say those, I forget, I'm paraphrasing, like look after the small and you'll be sweet with the big. Terrible paraphrase, but (laughs) are you managing what you've got now well? Because as more money comes in, you need to still manage that well. And it could be, oh, I've got an extra $1,000 this month coming from my investments. Well, sure, we do get to a critical point and a tipping point where we have to have enough money to live and live comfortably. But once you get past that tipping point, when all your basic needs are met, any further money that comes in either needs to be put to work for the future, aka investing, or given away to help others. And that's all I do with my money. I give some, I save some, and I spend some. And the spend some is enjoying it. The save some, that's, you know, investing for the future. And the give some is being uh, generous with my money. Pretty straightforward. Mm. Mm. What have you learned about managing money from people that you've worked with, like clients and even yourself and Amy? Yeah. Look, I haven't quite mastered it, to be honest, but... (laughs) I think it's uh, it's something that always evolves, and I think we can never say right. Oh, we've done that. We've we've perfected that. Let's move on, sort of thing. And I think is there's always a different version of that every week, especially with with family, as uh, a lot of listeners with family would know. I think it's just having boundaries and knowing. Uh, if you've got someone else in your life that you're on this journey with, that, that communication of how you're managing it, what you're doing with it and what your goals and aspirations are when you have this mm. uh, this journey together. So, yeah, it, it's just uh, don't feel comfortable that you've got it nailed this month because next month will give you maybe another surprise and, and you've just got to be open and flexible with the way we're dealing with that. And it's just portioning the money in areas that you really appreciate and value, not because we should be doing it, should be putting it there or we should be spending it on this. It's just what you value at the time. And I think that's be true to yourself uh, is probably the best suggestion in in managing money well. But I see some elaborate spreadsheets like you, you've obviously got your spending plan, which is which is awesome. But I see some really elaborate in-depth uh, numbers and, and formulas which at the end of the day works for some people but totally blows other people up. They're just really just anal mm. to it and it just – it almost makes them uh, depressed. Like it's just they're living, they're living opening the spreadsheet each day. Yeah, and I think that's important to note. You've got to have a system that works for you but if it's all too hard, if you just went, you know what, I want to just salary sacrifice $500 a month or whatever that is to superannuation out of your pay – each time you get paid, money above the 11% superannuation is going into your super. If you just did that, kept out of consumer debt, didn't have credit cards, didn't overspend, and your money was a bit wild, you'd be fine. Because stepping back, categorically, you're investing more for your future, more than just your superannuation, and you're not living on more than what you earn. If you are really sloppy and don't care about, quote unquote, managing your money well, automate it so you're set and forget putting money into super extra each week and have the sloppiest system in the world as long as you keep out of consumer debt. Simple. The last thing 
before we get to John's bonus points, is wealthy people get professional <laughs> advice and outsource their weaknesses. Have you seen that ring true in your own life, John, and in life mm. in the life of your clients and even some of the high performance athletes that you coach? Ah, uh, totally. Like they, they even the higher the you go up the rung, the more they stay in their own lane and just know what they're good at, know what they excel at, they're an expert in, and absolutely outsource everything else in their life more than anyone I, I know. And and that is a definite trait of a successful person, whether that be in sport, whether it be in business, whether it be in wealth creation. It's uh, it's one of the biggest traits. Um, and I, I think it's almost at the top if we had to prioritise them is where we're outsourcing what we know we need help in and mm. assistance in and guidance in to someone that's doing it on a regular basis. Um, and an example of that might be, well, I'm a professional athlete and I've got a personal trainer because I'm a good uh, netballer but I don't know how I can get my body into physical peak condition. I know I might have to lift weights and go for a run and, and train five times a week but give me a template, give, it, give me exactly what I'm going to do to get the best out of my body. I just wrote down while you were talking there, and this is particularly in my life, both personal and business, and it's given that I'm financially successful already, but I keep doubling down, right? If I don't like it, if I suck at it, if I don't know it, or if I don't enjoy it, yep. I outsource it. That's pretty good. So get professional advice. Before you go and spend 800 grand on your first investment property, before you get that inheritance of 500 grand and go and invest it, pay six grand, get professional advice. Be likely to be tax deductible anyway mm. and get professional advice because once you invest or once you set up business structures, it's too late. If it blows up, you have a mm. big tax issue on your hand. Yep. And this is not just around tax and money, it's around estate planning, it's around succession planning, it's around the growth of the assets, it's around your business strategy and structure. It's okay to pay for help and get advice. Yeah. But more importantly, if you suck at doing something, pay someone else to do it. I'm speaking to the business owners now. If you suck at bookkeeping, I'm speaking about when I had my first business, I sucked at bookkeeping. Once a fortnight, I'd be in my office on a Saturday morning doing zero. You know, it basically, <laughs> it met this category, this category of I didn't like it, I sucked at it, I didn't know how to do it and had no passion for it, so I outsourced it. And you go an extra step and say, well, not only is it okay to do, it's actually you should be doing it to improve your life, whether that yeah. be time spent with doing things you, that you'd rather do Mm. Or to actually get a better result in your case for mm. for your business, like it's uh, it's actually a non-negotiable of um, of running your life. I think. Before I get to your bonus point, John, the habits of the wealthy: how to be a millionaire, how to retire by forty. We know how to do this. I've done it. You've done it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have done this, right? But it's the actual success of it and committing to this stuff is the hard part. I was just thinking before when you're talking about athletes, John, there is the difference about knowing how to do something and doing it very well. I know how high jumpers do their thing. 
They run in a semicircle, <laughs> lift back on one of their legs and put their back <laughs> in the air and yeah. go over the pole. The Fosby flop. I know how to high jump, okay? AFL, run around with a ball like a dickhead for two hours. I know. <laughs> this, this podcast finished, mate. I'm out of here. John loves AFL. <laughs> Seven years and done now. <laughs> I know how to do it. No, I, you don't. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, in theory, I know how to have a six-pack, exercise heaps, lift lots of weights, <laughs> friggin' eat right, but I'm, I'm not doing it So because I don't want it hard enough. I don't care for it enough. Yes. But if we run down this thing, think of I've got this business idea. You've got a plan and a purpose. You stick with it for the long term. You take good risks. You're very good at what you do. You could be the best baker in the world, but if you suck at running a business, Mm. give up. You're always looking for ways to improve. You manage your money well. You get professional advice and help. Whatever that is, you want to be a successful property investor. You've got to have a plan of purpose. You've got to stick with it for the long term. You've got to take and embrace risks. You've got to be good at it. You've got to get good at it. If you're not good at it, get good at it. I can sit here whinging and moaning about how much I suck at high jump, but if I'm not getting coaching, if I'm not leaning into it, if I'm not doing it every day, get out of here. You're always looking for ways to improve. You're managing your money well. You're getting professional help. All this stuff, it is so easy. And the amazing thing about this If you did get to this million-dollar thing, you had the business that was successful, you had the awesome share of portfolio, you had the property portfolio, you had a great career that you loved, guess what? You wouldn't feel like you need to retire because you don't have – people want to retire because they want to escape what they hate. If you're doing what you love, you don't have to escape it. Say that once more for the people at the back of the room. You want to retire and stop working because you hate what you do. Mondays don't suck. Your life sucks. Can you change it right now today? No. But can you put things in place so in a year's time, in two years' time, you're not in the same position saying, I hate this, my life sucks. It's harsh. You need to hear it. But you can be financially successful. You can be wealthy but how much do you want it? Do you want to sacrifice it enough not to eat out 15 times a week? Do you want to sacrifice it enough not to have a car loan and drive a five grand Corolla around? How much do you want it? Only you can answer that. John, your last bonus point. Well, I think it's more important than any of those that you've just listed. Oh, you've got my attention. Plans. We're talking purpose. We're we're there for the long term. We've got consistency. We're good at what we do. We always want to improve. We've got a good team of people around us. They manage their money well. But don't be a dick. Mm. You've just got to be a very nice person because what goes around comes around. So when the sun's shining, there's people out there being absolute roosters, right? Mm. It does get wet and muddy from time to time, and those sort of people are not wanted, whether that be in business, whether it be working for someone, um, a good employee, it could be uh, in life in general, everyone has their turn. And I think you've got to be a nice person to deal with. Don't rip mm. someone off. Don't use your manners, right? Talk equally to people. Um, don't 
talk over people, right? You just got to be a nice person with good manners. And and this is maybe my parent hat coming on, but mm. as uh, as a parent, you've if you can teach your kids that, and you like that in business, and sure you've got to be disciplined and maybe quite demanding when you are a business owner or at work in a high role position. I get that. That doesn't mean you're not a nice person. Generally speaking, mm. you've just got to be a nice person to everyone and treat everyone equally. Yeah, it's such great advice. No one is below anyone else. Everyone is equal. Like at the end of the day, 100 years time, most people listening to this podcast, you're not going to exist. You're not better than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. John's not better than anyone. No one is better than anyone. There are so many people out there that are better than you at some stuff. John's arguably better than me at AFL. He's probably not, but he could be. But his innate humanity isn't better than me. We are both equal. I'm just a little bit more equal. My name's Glenn James. (laughs) And I quit. This is John Pigeon. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this chat, please, could you forward this episode to someone in your life? Uh, Because there's no resistance now that it's called This Is Money. You can send it to oldies. You can send it to youngies. You can send it to the mummies and the daddies. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. If you are interested in furthering your education around money, your career or property, we have three books that might help. Check out Sort Your Money Out, Sort Your Career Out and Sort Your Property Out. Find these wherever good books are sold or via the link in the podcast show notes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Propriety Limited, the publisher of the podcast and Glenn James are authorised representatives of Money Sherpa, Propriety Limited, which holds financial services licence 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.